Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know that you do too. On today's episode, the magical Moira Fowley-Doyle talks about her books and her top writing tips for you. But first, I wanted to hear from you. We know you love books, but who is your very favourite author? It's clear it is Rick Riordan. <laughs> uh, because he writes the best books. Rachel Renee Russell, I think it is. But she writes the series Dork Diaries, and they're probably one of my favorite. Another one that's also a good author is David Williams. I love his books as well. I actually have three favorite authors J.K. Rowling, Chris Colfer, and Rick Riordan. I like them because the type of books that I like are books that say that there are magic in the world, but have a good cover-up story of why no one has ever noticed it before. My favorite one would probably be a writer called Grant Morrison. He kind of writes comics. He wrote a few, like a really bad Batman one, but then like two really good Batman ones. And he also wrote a very good X-Men one. Well, I liked um, David Baggio. He wrote The Person Controller, he wrote My Future Friend. David Wallums, he's good, and I used to like Liz Picton. I really enjoy reading Michael Marperga books because it's history and I like history and reading about wars. And Jill Lewis because it's about animals and I also like animals. Love books, it's time for We Love Reviews. First up, it's nine-year-old Quiva, and she is reviewing Declan Kirby GAA Star by Michael Egan, who will be joining us himself on next week's show. So let's hope that our top class reviewer likes what she reads. Let's see what Quiva thought of the book. The book is about Smith's Green, an average GAA team who face the ups and downs of losing and regaining players as well as injuries. Eventually they find the meaning of true team spirit and pull together to try and achieve the team's ultimate dream. Main character, Declan Kirby, a real team player who wishes one day his dad would come and watch him play. What type of book? Declan Kirby GAA Star Championship Journey is a sports slash GAA team type book. My overall thoughts on the book are, it is a very good book and I would recommend it to anyone who plays GAA because they might relate to the book, but as well anyone who doesn't play because it might encourage or motivate them to join their local GAA team. I would recommend it to anyone between the age of 7 to 12. I would also recommend it to anyone who plays or likes sports. My favourite scene in the book is when Declan and Big Mike were at the car wash that the team had set up to earn money so they could pay for a flight for one of their teammates so they could play in the championship. Thanks, Quiva. Now it's over to four-year-old Anna and she read The Monstrous Tale of Celery Crumble by Ben Joel Price. She's going to give us her review. My name is Anna and I'm four years old. I read The Monstrous Tale of Thierry Crumble. It's written by Ben Joy Weiss. It's about Thierry Crumble. 
She's mean because she says, sorry, not sorry. A friend came along from next door and Sarah Crumble wanted to do some painting. So she painted a lovely rainbow on her friend's face. After the Sarah Crumble had a jar with the most disgusting smell, she opened it. The people put on pegs on their noses. I enjoyed this book because Sayuri Crumble is very funny. The pictures are like a bit funny. I think people age three to four Jake to read this book because it's funny. And um, there's nothing what I don't like about this Love books, it's time for our interview with a featured author. Today we chat to the magical Moira Fowley Doyle. Books by Moira include The Accident Season, Spellbook of the Lost and Found, and most recently, All the Bad Apples. These books are for the slightly older reader, so young adult fiction, with some more grown up themes in them. Moira tells us about the mystery of a family curse and the adventure 17-year-old Dina goes on to try and break it. And Moira's got some top tips on how to write magical fiction of your own. Could you describe a little bit about your amazing book, All the Bad Apples? Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, All the Bad Apples is about a 17-year-old girl called Dina whose sister mysteriously uh, disappears and is presumed dead. Uh, And the day after the funeral, Dina receives a letter from her sister uh, telling her about a curse that's on the, the bad apples of their family, anybody who doesn't conform, the women of their family who don't conform. Um, and this letter is asking her to basically cross the country uh, following uh, following her sister's letters in order to get to the bottom of this family curse and break it before something terrible happens to her. It is so exciting and I couldn't stop turning the pages. It was just adventure after Thank adventure. <laughs> it was so magical. I absolutely loved all the magical parts of it and I was wondering what is the most magical thing that's ever happened to you as a result of your writing oh as a result of my writing um I I suppose being an author is quite a quite a magical sort of it can be quite a magical dream come true yeah. uh job um I there's a lot of parts that I love about it I love going on book tour I love meeting readers um so one slightly non-writing related, but it was something that happened while I was writing The Accident Season, which is my first novel, uh, which is about a family who are plagued with accidents and mishaps for one month of every year. As I was writing the final draft, I actually broke my wrist. Oh, um, wow. And so I finished writing it with The Accident Season after an accident with a broken wrist. Um, <laughs> um, apart from that, uh, I think the, the most magical things are probably book tours where I get to go and speak on panels and talk to talk about my books and and sign books and uh, and meet readers it's really lovely because when you're writing a book you're not really necessarily or me anyway I'm not necessarily thinking about the people who are going to read it eventually especially yeah. when, when it's just a first draft and so being able to meet people who have actually read it and loved it and that's definitely magical it's a very strange and wonderful feeling <laughs> <laughs> How did you physically finish the book with a broken wrist? Do you type or do you handwrite or how does that work? So the first novel I was typing and I typed it one-handed. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
How did you get your thoughts down with one hand? (laughs) I learned to type really fast with one hand. Luckily, it wasn't my right handed. So luckily, I broke my left wrist. But but yeah, I learned to type very fast with one hand. And do you still write on computer or do you have any any other um, methods of, of writing? So I actually write on an iPad um, because mm. it's more portable and it feels a lot more tactile. So it feels more like handwriting because my fingers are touching the words, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's less removed than having a keyboard and looking up at a screen. But for all the bad apples, so I write, wrote most of it on the iPad, but actually the the historical chapters, the parts that go through Dina's family history, I wrote longhand. Wow. Um, yeah. That's so, so interesting. I, it just sort of happened. I didn't... Um, I didn't set out to write the older pieces longhand, but it just sort of happened that way. Uh, so yeah, all of the all the historical pieces were written just in a notebook. I love um, that switch between the historical and the modern. It's going back to the kind of the late eighteen hundreds, is it? Yeah. And then back to two thousand and twelve. What inspired you to do the the kind of dual story, the story of the family in the past and the story of the family in the present? I think the idea of history repeating itself and the past repeating itself in a family is something that I've always been fascinated with. And it's something I sort of played around with in Spellbook of the Lost and Found, which is my second novel. There's a certain element of that. And I think it was in the back of my head, I wanted to write about, uh, I wanted to write about a family and I wanted to write about the similarities between um, people who are cast off their family tree, um, whether it's, in it's more or less contemporary whether it's in 2012 or in 1860 uh, I wanted to sort of see what, what what are the similar themes what are the same things that people are being judged for especially young women that young women are being judged for or shamed for or kicked out of their families for um, and what how that um, where, where the, the ripples are I suppose Yeah and it doesn't seem to have changed an awful lot in that time either there's still like the same issues and the same intensity exactly. and the same emotions I loved yeah. that something else I loved about the book was a sense of place you, you kind of as an Irish person I know all those places you're talking about and that was really <laughs> exciting I could kind of see them and the, my favourite thing I think was the magic and then the sense of place what is your okay. favourite thing about the book? Gosh that's a really good question <laughs> um, The book the, the bull bull's amazing. <laughs> before I was, um, so before a book is published or announced, yeah, you're not, you're encouraged not to release the title because it's uh, sort of, it's, it's, it's a secret until the title is revealed. Okay. Um, and so I used to call it the bull book. Um, <laughs> this, I, yeah, when I started writing it, I don't necessarily go in with a very strong idea of what I want to write, but I knew I wanted a bull in it. It, it had a, it, This bull character was there uh, from the beginning, and at first my editors were not very sure about this whole bull situation, <laughs> and several drafts of, where are we sure about the bull? Can we not lose the bull? <laughs> I love the bull! <laughs> so they also love the bull now. It, it, it changed a lot, and it became more... Um, more integral to the story but yeah I think I think it's the bull and now because I have the cover right in front of me and the fact that on the UK cover and the Irish cover there's this there's this bull skull on the on the on the cover I love it. The cover is absolutely amazing I also wanted to ask you uh, on that note do you plan your story before you write or does it kind of write through does it come through you how does that work? So usually I have a vague idea of characters and a mood and a few little details and I sit down and I see what happens. For all the bad apples, it was slightly different. Uh, I had those uh, those kind of elements, and I sat down and I 
uh, wrote a kind of a vague synopsis, which is the first time I had done something like that. Um, and I think it's because I had a lot of research to do. I'm yeah. not, um, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a great memory. Um, and so I'm not very good at history. Uh, I was never very good at history, um, growing up. And so I had to basically relearn Irish history from scratch to be able wow. to have the kind of background of, uh, what was going on at the time. So I did about a year's worth of reading a lot about, um, sort of every, every, uh, era that I knew that I was going to go through even for little things like I would write I would try and figure out when the wireless uh, came to uh, rural Donegal was sort of the, one of the one of the things I learned wow. practices um, you know statutory marriage laws about landlords and tenants <laughs> there's a lot of very specific <laughs> strange research but um so I had to do all of that before actually sitting down to write so for, for all the bad apples, I did have a bit more uh, of a structure in place. So I was kind of writing differently to how I usually do. I did wonder about that because the stories from the past are so accurate and so detailed and they're so oh, intricate you. that I wondered how much research had gone into A lot, obviously, has gone into that to get that Quite right. A lot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and I have forgotten most of it now as well because this was a few years ago and my memory is just awful. But, um, <laughs> but how do you get time to do it? In your, There's a little biography of you inside the cover and it says you write magic realism, read tarot cards and raise witch babies so how do you get time to do it all um when my witch babies are at school okay. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes when they're in bed <laughs> yeah, but, um, I, I write when they're not around <laughs> and what advice would you give to any other little witches out there who would just love to write a book but they don't know where to start trust yourself and trust the story um I, what I always think even now is you need to think only of yourself when you're writing. So when I'm writing, I think of myself and I think of my younger self. Basically, every book I, that I write, I write for a 17-year-old me. So for me, the important part is tuning out anybody else's voice from my head. And writing, I think it's, it's advice that I got before, was write what you want to read. Because you are a reader and if you give yourself the story that you're looking for, somebody else will be looking for that story too. Um, I think also the first piece of good advice is that... Um, just having written something is enough because then you can go back and change it and, and edit it and, and improve it but you won't be able to do that if you don't have the words down on the page. That's really good because it takes the overwhelm out of having to write something good. Just write Absolutely. something and then yeah. <laughs> then you can work with it. There's a, a quote that I have tagged up on my office wall by an American author called Jane Smiley which is every first draft is perfect because all the first draft needs to do is exist. Why? Wow, that uh, is... doesn't matter how... Isn't it wonderful? That's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter how rubbish your first draft is. And my first drafts are always absolute rubbish. Um, but then they you, you build on that. Well, I don't Even believe you at all. But yeah. oh, well. <laughs> they're wonderful. You, how many drafts really do you go through? Oh, that apples went, I think it was about five. And how long uh, per draft? How long would it take you? I write fairly quickly. So it's about three months per draft. Wow. Um, uh, for my, my first novel, uh, for the accident season, I wrote the first draft in six weeks which is, I don't think I would ever be able to do again. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to ask you, um, there's a strong LGBTQ element to the book as well. Is that something mm. you decided before writing or is that something that kind of emerged from the character of Dina and all her friends? Uh, it's a bit of both. None of the characters, none of the main characters that I've ever written were straight. Um, I will always write queer characters. And again, because I've been dialogue with my 17-year-old self and when I was 
when I was a teenager, I desperately wanted queer representation in fiction and I just couldn't find it. Uh, there was, it was, well, there was very little because this was sort of the early 2000s. And so in part, my characters just, they pun intended, they come out queer. Um, <laughs> but that was really bad, sorry. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. <laughs> but um, I do also feel very strongly about LGBT representation, especially in young adult fiction and in children's fiction and in, in uh, children's entertainment and in all ages entertainment. I'm very careful to introduce my little witches to uh, to LGBT content from birth, basically, just to, to normalise acceptance and inclusion. Now on We Love Books, something a little bit different, Donna Horhen is an author who has self-published two very successful books in the last year, which is very impressive. And I wanted to ask him all about what self-publishing means, what it's like, and how it might be a possibility for some of our listeners if they had their own stories to tell and their own books to write. My name is Donna Horhen and I'm from Cork City and I got into writing really only over the last kind of 10 months or so during the lockdown. Uh, I have a four-year-old son and a two-year-old son, James and Connor, and they love reading. And with creches being closed, there was a lot of time at home. So really got into more and more reading through every hour of the day, not just at bedtime and in the morning. So the first book that I wrote was called Elf Isolation last year. And it was about Santa and the elves in the North Pole and how they managed to work from home to get everybody's toys ready for Christmas and reached out to a few publishers to see if they'd be interested. But the reason then kind of that led me down the self-publishing route is the timing. Publishers take a lot of time really to kind of prep, do illustrations, market it, etc. And we managed to get it all wrapped up in about three or four months and got it on the shelves in November of last year, which was great. Independent bookshops across Ireland were great to take it on and you know and sell it in the run-up to Christmas as well as um, Bookstation which I'm sure everybody is familiar with they have a lot of branches across the country so they took it on as well so that was great so you know it kind of got me into the book world first book so it had a few rough edges but um, it was great so like I mean it was it was important for me to work with a lot of different people that's some one thing about self-publishing that you have to do you have to manage it yourself when you self-publish a book it's your project, so there's a lot to manage. So you're working on the design with the illustrator, the printers, so you will work with the designers they have as well. If there's anybody listening who wants to self-publish, you gotta get a mum or dad or aunt or uncle or whoever to go and collect those books and help send them out, out through the post office. So there's a bit of work. So I had to go and organize that. And then really kind of all of the books were were out in the shops by the, the end of November. It was great. We had to resend some more copies to a few of the shops as December went on. Also, there was a Christmas market in Cork that I managed to sell a few at as well, the Marina Market in Cork. So some great stalls down there. And another one, if you want really to, I suppose, sell internationally, was that you could sell it on Amazon. And they have a service, printing on demand. So every time somebody orders a book, Amazon print it. So there's a lot of different avenues for self-publishing. So that was my first book last year. And seeing as that went quite well, 
we're lucky enough at home to have a garden with a lot of wildlife and areas to plant flowers and build some raised beds and grow some vegetables. So my book this year, which is out about a month now, is called Friends for All Seasons, A Year in the Garden. And that really talks about everybody that visits your garden from birds, bees, wildlife, flowers from January to December. Seeing as self-publishing went well for me last year, I decided to go the same route this time. And I contacted a, a few more shops. A lot of learnings from last year, it's around different types of printing that can be done. Again, it's a lot of hard work, so you need a lot of support. You might think, as anybody does, that a story they've written is great, but you're only looking at it through one lens, which is your own. So it's important to have people take a, an objective view of a book as well. So I got support from my, my wife, my sister, my, my parents, and a few friends who wouldn't be afraid to tell me if something is good or bad. So a lot of advice taken on board as well. And again, worked with an illustrator. There are a lot of freelance websites you can use. Illustrator actually lives in Jakarta, in Indonesia. So we worked very closely through all the designs and we together brought the book to life and it's in shops now. I'm very happy with the way it's going at the moment. But again, you have to have time. You might get the time to, to do what I was doing in the evenings, but again, you have to contact the shops directly and tell them about your book, why you did it, why you were passionate about it. And we'll just see how it goes. I'm on my holidays at the moment, so some of the shops that agreed to take it via email or over the phone, I actually popped in and delivered them myself, which has been great. And um, even in, in Westport in Tertulia Bookshop, I went in and I got a cup of tea and I chatted with Neil in the shop or uh, the Ennis Bookshop, Fergal and the team there. They've been giving me ideas just around, you know, some a lot of the books went out with, with bookmarks as well. You know, you can do a lot of marketing around that. And it's important just to reach out to everybody to, to email and somebody will email you back and you can have a conversation and you can get the word out. The one thing I'd say is, look, it's a lot of hard work at the start to get your contacts, to, to build a story, to do your illustrations, to get it printed just the way you want it, to get feedback from people, very important. And it's on the shelves now and it's out there for people to judge for themselves. Hopefully this one goes well. And if it doesn't, look, I had great fun doing it all. Now on We Love Books, I wanted to find out what kind of books you guys would write if you sat down to write one tomorrow. Nine-year-old Hugo tells us about a comic he has created concerning a man, a monster, and a madcap adventure. I kind of just made my own comic up as I went along, but here it is. My sister crinkled it up a bit, but... So in this story, there's a man called Penelopan. He looks really, really weird, and he lives in a castle, and then... One day, a monster comes when he's in a forest and it attacks him. And then he suddenly finds a sword in his hands. I haven't come up with where he gets that yet. And then he kills the monster and then that's the end of the first comic. And I made two more.
The second one is where he battled the monster's ghost, which is mostly the same, except a wizard gives him a sword that can defeat ghosts, and then he defeats the ghost. But then the third one, I kind of just made it up as I went along, because I kind of wrote these when I was doing my book club, and everyone was talking about their dogs. So I just made that he finds the monster's mother's friend's grandmother's dog and then it was enchanted by a fairy and it can fly and he adopts it and then they just live happily ever after. The main character is called Penelopon. He just has a normal body and then he wears glasses but his hair is just really weird and I have no idea how to explain it. So it's flat at the top and then bits come down at the sides and it's not very good. The monster has no name yet. And the monster has one huge eye and loads of teeth and arms and the rest of it is a blob. Well, that's it from today's episode of We Love Books. A huge thanks to everybody who chatted to me and to all the people working hard behind the scenes to make it all possible, especially these days when we're doing all of our talking online. Join us next week to hear about the amazing adventures of Declan Kirby, GAA star with author Michael Egan. I'm Neve Bennett, this is We Love Books, and until next time, happy reading.